Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1189 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And thank you for joining us on the show as always. My regular plea at this point is to subscribe to the podcast on any podcast platform, especially on YouTube. I announced on Tuesday that I'm doing something of a challenge at this point in time, trying to get to a thousand subscriptions on YouTube by the end of the regular season. So if you are not a huge YouTube subscriber slash user, I understand completely. I promise I do, but it takes just two seconds. Check out our Locked On Hawks YouTube page and subscribe today to support the show. Thank you in advance for that. As for the business at hand on today's podcast, the Hawks go into Boston and lose 107-98 to on this Tuesday. And it was a game in which if I only told you the final score of the game, it would have been very, very reasonable. The Hawks were underdogs in this game. It would not have surprised me at all if they had lost this one in a competitive but not all that close game to the Celtics. With that said, the first half was all Hawks. They led by 17 points at one point in the first half and by 14 at halftime. And when I give you that information, this becomes a pretty ugly and frustrating loss for Atlanta. I have to say this at the very top of the podcast, this loss was extremely similar to the one that happened on Super Bowl Sunday just a couple of weeks ago in Boston. Same exact thing. National TV game. That was an ABC game. This was a TNT game on Tuesday. Up by double digits in the first half. By 15 points, actually, in that game, losing by 10. This game was up 17 in the first half, lose by 9. It was almost exactly the same formula, although there were some nuances in the middle of it. A frustrating game for Atlanta. So we're getting into all of this game now and what transpired and the back and forth and the player observations. But uh, that's my top-line thought here is that this is a game the Hawks needed to win, given that they were up by 14 at the halftime break. And this is one they can absolutely steal, given all the nuance involved. And they just couldn't close the door. And a pretty shaky second half. All things considered. So we'll dive into the game now. Um, the Hawks were actually two and one against Boston this season, and with this loss, they're now two and two. A season-long split against Boston, not the worst result in the world, but still one the Hawks could have gotten. Um, obviously, home court to the Celtics. We did a, a full preview of the game on Monday evening into Tuesday that kind of outlined how good they had been. Boston has been at home this season, but um, injury-wise, there was a lot to discuss both before and during this game. John Collins was listed as doubtful coming in. He was ruled out. In pregame, I think McMillan, no, no big surprise there. He's missed, six, he's missed the last six games in a row for Atlanta. Nate basically said that he's day-to-day at this stage. Okay, nothing new, but there was some optimism on the broadcast from Stephanie Reddy about Collins working a little bit more at this stage. Um, the Hawks have a back-to-back from here, by the way, on Thursday and Friday, so we'll see if he's able to go on either end of that side of that back-to-back. But um, obviously a huge loss, particularly against Boston. Collins' versatility um, burst finishing ability, defensive versatility, all that stuff would have been very useful in this game. Lou Williams also missed this one. Um, his second straight game, he actually, he's actually been sidelined for six of the last ten, so Lou has not been the, exactly an every-night player at this stage. And then Sharif Cooper was still in the G League for this one for Atlanta. Boston actually had no injuries pregame, but Jalen Brown, the second-best player, went out with about, I don't know, nine minutes to go in the first quarter. So he played, I think he played three minutes, not even three minutes of this game and was not able to return with an ankle issue. So that was a slight swing to Atlanta. And while the Hawks were actually, according to our, our friends at Online, six and a half point underdogs in this game, if I told you that Jalen Brown would leave that early in the game, that number would not have been six and a half. The Hawks would have been underdogs almost certainly still, but it would have been like 
three or two, something like that. So a big loss for them, and then we'll come back to this later on. But Trey Young gets injured in the game for the Hawks, stays in. And Nick Kongwu left at halftime with, with, a, with a, a concussion evaluation. So lots of factors in play for this one. Um, and weirdly, as much as I just said, the Hawks had, had this great first half, they had a disastrous start to this game. They missed four of the first seven shots, I should say this. Four of the first seven shots were blocked. That's tough to do. Also, they went empty, a.k.a. with no points, on their first eight possessions of the game on offense. And somehow, they were only down by four points. It was 4 nothing after four minutes. It was pretty ugly on both sides of the floor. Trey finally scored on the 10th shot of the night. The Hawks were 0-9 from the floor to open the game. Uh, Hunter was struggling. Capella missed two shots at the rim. Lots of stuff on, that was bad on offense in this one. Trey then finally found it. Somebody had to eventually for the Hawks offensively. He did. Got to the rim a few times in pretty short order. But the Hawks were actually leading this game at one point while shooting 5 of 16 from the floor. Because Boston was turning the ball over and missing their own shots. Rotationally, the Hawks played eight man rotation in both halves of this game. And that's about as shallow as you'll ever see a team play outside of like Nick Nurse and weird stuff like that. But for McMillan, Eight guys is very, very shallow, but again, without Collins and Lou, he doesn't trust anybody else. We saw them play Kevin Knox for like two and a half minutes on Saturday. Um, tonight it was Gorgie Jang, but it was only in the second half because Congo couldn't play. So it was eight guys in the first half, a different eight guys in the second half, but still a very, very shallow rotation in this one. The Hawks had their first run of the night. It was 8-0 to go up by five in the first quarter. But then Trey gets fouled by Marcus Smart shooting a three and hurts his left ankle at the time. Uh, Smart gets called for a flagrant one foul. He definitely earned that flagrant one with the Zazo Pachulia rule of not letting a guy land. He slid under him. I know Hawks fans were very, very upset with this. Uh, it looked like Trey and, and Smart were okay, both during and after. They had a sort of an embrace after the game. So really, Trey was not taking it too personally, but Smart with a dangerous play for sure. He was rewarded, rewarded with a flagrant foul in this one. But when Trey did stay in the game, shoot his free throws, which is important because that way he, could, he can come back if he was able to be cleared. But he was hobbling pretty badly. And after the game, Trey talks about the fact that he was definitely in some pain. He got, he got stiff in the second half, et cetera. I will note, and we'll come back to this later on, he was definitely a step or two slower. And that's not a huge surprise. Obviously, with a pretty significant ankle issue like he had in this spot, him coming back at all is a reminder of just how tough he is. He kind of just tightened it up and he was ready to go again. And he was still pretty effective, but at the same time, that's something to keep an eye on for the future because that was a significant enough injury where he was hobbled, hobbling afterwards and went straight to the locker room, etc. Um, but then DeLon Wright got fouled on a three at the, at the buzzer of the first quarter. He made all three, and the Hawks scored the, the final nine points of the first of the first quarter. And it was totally bizarre in that the Hawks shot 36% from the floor in the first quarter and led by nine points because they were not a 10 from the floor, sorry, not a 10 at the free throw line. And one turnover. Boston was 19 points on 26 possessions, which is dreadful offense. So even with a pretty ugly first quarter offensively, in a lot of ways for the Hawks, they were in control and led by 13 early in the second quarter. Akong got some foul trouble. He had three fouls in his first seven minutes of action in this one. Uh, he ended up coming back in, except for he didn't come back in. That's one of the things I, I had that written down, written down wrong in my notes. But as a point of clarity, he got his third foul and we didn't know this at the time. In fact, we didn't know it until halftime, but Kongwu was then treated at halftime for concussion symptoms and was ruled out for the rest of the game. So from that point forward, early in the second quarter, the Hawks played Capella the rest of the, the rest of the half and then played Gorgie Jang for a few minutes in the second half, but it was really just an eight-minute rotation from that stage forward. Um, the Hawks had their biggest run of the night, a 15-5 push in the second to go up 49-33. It started out with Kevin Herter scoring seven points in about 90 seconds. That was a huge little run for him. 
and Gallinari and Bogdanovich got it going with some shot making. Gallinari had Aaron Neesmith in peril, let's just say. He had, he had no idea what to do against Gallo on defense. And after that horrendous start by the Hawks, they scored 49 points in less than 14 minutes of action against the number two defense in the league in Boston. They were 18 of 27 shooting in that, in that time span. Of course, that was the only time in this game the Hawks were good on offense. <laughs> but they were really good for 14 minutes in this spot. Um, Trey came back in about halfway through the second quarter and was obviously not great in terms of movement, but was obviously, you know, he's very, very crafty and, of course, very skilled. He has a ton of gravity. He's also just super tough. Good to see him coming back in. He was still able to do a lot as a, as a jump shooter, as a passer, et cetera. And Boston was really playing pretty poorly on defense, I think, in the first, in the first half. Like some switches they were blowing against Trey. Um, their drop coverage was definitely quite shaky against Trey as well. And after all of that, the Hawks were up by 14 at the halftime break, up by 17, as many as 17 in the first half. And the offense for the whole half, even with a slow start, they had a 122 offensive rating before halftime. And Boston's defense being in play there, that's pretty crazy. Um, they have only eight assists, which is a little bit strange for that good of a half offensively. They were pretty self-created in terms of their shot making in the first half. And basically any, anyone but Hunter was pretty hot at some stage of that first half. But Trey had 22 at halftime, despite leading with the injury. Um, and Boston's offense was pedestrian. They only scored exactly one point per possession in the first half. And the Hawks were turning the ball over um, defensively, which is good. It's what you want to do. So lots of positives. Got to the line a bunch in the first half. And uh, going into halftime, again, knowing that Jalen Brown is out as well, the Hawks were significantly favored to win this game at halftime. Even if you were to factor in some variance, home court for, for Boston, et cetera, without Jalen Brown, Trey comes back in. You know, it's all coming up Atlanta at the, at the halftime break. And, of course, we'll get into what happened after the break in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. NBA fans looking for a daily fantasy option at this point in time. If you are, you need to check out the award-winning app at PrizePix. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. I love it and know that you will too. It's so easy to use above all else. All you do is pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections. You can win up to ten times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers. An entire entry can be done in just a minute or less. It's just that easy. PrizePix is also safe. It offers fast withdrawals, and they offer props and almost anything you can think of, including points and rebounds and assists and even steals on the basketball side. And if you don't love only basketball, they have mixed sports entries as well. If you're into MMA or soccer, even college hoops, you can pair different things together to use all those skills collectively. And for a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive offer for all of our listeners, and it's an absolute no-brainer. You can get $50 for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores even a single point if you use the promo code NBA. That's right, it's an exclusive offer for locked on fans only. Sign up today, use the promo code NBA, and get $50 for free if a player in your first entry scores a single point. Check it all out at prize picks. All right, and we'll dive into the second half now. As I mentioned before, during halftime, they announced that Kong Wu was being evaluated for concussion. He'd be out. And again, McMillan said after the game that Kong Wu had some symptoms, so they had to hold him out of the game. That's all we know in terms of updates right now, but. They went to Gorgie Jang. That was the logical thing to do uh, late in the third quarter for a few minutes. He was uh, reasonable enough defensively, though, not, not the same. Obviously, going from Capella and Okongwu to Jang is a large drop-off. Jang could obviously shoot a little bit, but that was a huge drop. But the biggest swing in the entire game in my mind, actually, was the first few minutes of the third quarter. And that was a 14-0 run by Boston to open the half and tie the game. So the Hawks went from up 14 to tied in the span of nine possessions on offense. They did not score on nine possessions in a row on offense. So to recap, to open the game, the Hawks could not score coming out of the, coming out, coming out of the game. They were 0 of 8 in terms of getting points 
on, on possessions in the first quarter. And then they came out of the halftime break and then didn't score on nine in a row. That repeated the first half. And this time around, Boston was actually making shots to tie the game. Then Herter got his fourth foul. He had to come out, and Hunter was struggling pretty badly, so that was definitely a problem. We'll come back to that later on as well. Trey finally made a shot to break the break the silence, and then Tatum answered from there, and Boston took their first lead in a long time. Um, There's actually a gift in which Grant Williams missed a layup in transition that led to a nice uh, Capella dunk off a of pass from Wadonovich, but that did not exactly kickstart things for the Hawks. Boston was just better on both ends of the floor for really the entire second half, and the third quarter was 31-13 to 13 in favor of Boston. The fourth quarter wasn't quite that bad. Well, the Hawks, the Hawks were 6 of 20 from the floor in the third, 1 of 8 from 3, and no for attempts. So they got to the line a ton in the first half, nothing in the, nothing in the third quarter. The shots didn't fall. They took care of the ball. And by, other than Bogdanovich, there was just nothing going on offense. Trey, whether it was the halftime, having to get through that and be a little bit colder, he was not the same guy in the second half. And Boston was making shots in the way they did before halftime. Um, in the fourth quarter, there were little positive stretches. Bogdanovich had a nice bucket early in the fourth quarter. They, a couple of shots by, you know, Gorgie made a jumper. Um, they couldn't play Gorgie with Gallinari. That limits their options. You know, that's pretty obvious to me anyway. But defensively, you just cannot play Jang and Gallo together against Boston or any, really most teams, I'll say. So they had to wait to bring Gallo back until Capella came back in. Um, actually, the Hawks were benefiting from a lost challenge by Boston. With about seven minutes to go, they were down by eight, the Hawks were. And Boston challenged a foul call on Pitt Pritchard that would put Bogey at the line. They lost that challenge. Bogey makes both free throws, and it's a six-point game again. But then Herter gets his fifth foul. They stayed actually stayed with him in that spot, which kind of spoke to how much Hunter was struggling on offense at that point in time. But Boston got up to 10 with about five and a half minutes to go, and they called timeout. At that point, it was 45-21 to 21 to start the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. That just kind of tells the story. That little extended run was basically the game, from the Hawks being up 14 to being down 7, down 10, and, uh, yeah, pretty rough stuff. Now, after that, the number one sequence that kind of lost the game for the Hawks in terms of making it official, and, again, they were already probably going to lose. They were already down by eight at this point. But they got to stop after a timeout um, and a couple chances to cut to six transition. Um, but Hunter gets Hunter gets blocked by Smart in transition, and that was a play that was, uh, let's just say, a microphone of the night for Hunter, who was brutal on offense in this game. But Smart made a, made a heck of a play, so kudos to him. That would have made it six if he could have finished that transition. Other than the floor, Boston makes a three, and suddenly it's down, they're down 11. Then Hunter turns it over again on the next possession. Another three by Boston, and it's a 14-point game with three minutes to go. So the Hawks had a chance to get to six, and then within three possessions, it was a 14-point game. And it wasn't 100% over at that point. The Hawks, got, the Hawks got down to eight with like 140 left. But really, if you look at the, uh, the game flow of this one, the game really ended in my mind on that sequence when it was block three, turnover three, 14-point game. And uh, we'll leave it there for now. So as far as the second half was concerned, whew, um, 56-33 after halftime. The Hawks were 260 from three in the second half, 33% from the floor, seven assists, five turnovers. Boston shot it pretty well um, and had 12 assists in the second half. But it wasn't like they were awesome on offense. The Hawks just could not score. And – because of that, the Hawks' offensive rating in this game was about a 102 in the competitive portion. That is not very good, uh, let's just say, for anyone, much less the Hawks being a top-five offense in the league this year, number two coming into the night in offensive rating. Um, 52% true shooting is not good, evening against Boston. Um, they got to the line for 24 free-throw attempts. That's pretty good. 
but they they could not make a three in this game. They were seven of twenty four. That's uh, sorry, seven of thirty one from three. That's even worse. Um, and from there, they actually shot well from two, eighty six percent, just not incredibly good, and fifteen assists in this one for Atlanta. That's a weirdly no, a weirdly low number for the Hawks, and uh, kind of a lot of self self creation reliance. Let's just say on offense, and then defensively, it wasn't putrid for the Hawks in this game about a 115 defensive rating, but they didn't do a ton of, you know, great things defensively. You know, when Capella was out there, they were able to get some stops, but when he wasn't, it was a little bit shakier. And that dang stint in the second half, um, not his fault, but he was getting blown by in a way that Capella and Conway just don't in a lot of ways. So also Boston had 27 assists, almost double that of the Hawks in this game. And they shot, and they shot 58% on twos. So, you know, I can give you all of the ugliness in the world, let's just say, in the second half. But broadly speaking, in this one, this is, it was a tale of two halves um, from – I think the Hawks were fortunate to be up by 14 points at halftime with how they played in the first half. And Boston definitely came alive after halftime and shot it much better, et cetera. But the Hawks just did not have anything going on offense, whether it was Hunter being kind of a catastrophe in this one. Honestly, Herter cooled off. And aside from Trey in the first half and Bogey in the whole game, there was not a whole lot of offensive juice happening in this one for Atlanta. So we're getting into all of why that was on the player evaluation side. But in terms of just the team stuff, there's no shame in being slowed by Boston's defense because they are very, very good. But the Hawks, I would say, still perform below that expectation on offense, even when you account for Boston's defense. And then defensively, they were okay, but they were not good enough to overcome these slow offense and uh, for this team, if they're going to have a bad offensive night, it's going to be tough in a lot of ways, particularly on the road against, good, against a good team, and they had a bad offensive night in this one. All right, before we get into the rest of this podcast in, in terms of some player observations and look at the standings, et cetera, a word from our sponsors on the show. We're into March now, and usually by this time of year, I've given up on all my resolutions for the new year, but this time around, I've sticking to at least one of them, and that's to eat right with a hat tip to Bill Bar. It feels like it's not really a resolution for me at this point because I actually enjoy eating Built Bars from protein-infused puff bars that are fantastic to all the other fan favorites from Built Bar. Each and every Built Bar has 100% real chocolate, which makes a huge difference, honestly. They taste fantastic because of that. On top of the taste, Built Bar has low calorie and they are high protein. You can easily replace your candy bars with Built Bars both in taste and to improve your nutrition. If you go to Built.com right now, check out the nutrition and be blown away by it. Most Built Bars have only 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein with a very low calorie count. And from there, the flavors are bountiful. Some flavors are more like favorites with coconut almond and mint brownie, but they also have some new flavors with white white chocolate cookies and cream and many more. Each flavor is delicious. They have new flavors coming out all the time, and it's always great. Check out Built.com for all the latest. And the best way to find out from Built Bar, both in ordering and getting all the information that you need, is to go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. If you do that, get 15% off on your first order and your next order, and then order after that, order after that with Built Bar. That's promo code LOCK15, 15% off at built.com. All right, we'll dive into the player evaluations now on this podcast. And yeah, it wasn't, you know, all roses for the Hawks in this one. There were some positives for sure, but we'll start with the bench. And uh, the bench was weird, as I said before. Only eight-man rotation in this game and only three bench guys in each half. Um, the two guys who played in both halves were DeLon Wright and Magdanovich. DeLon played solidly, five points, two steals, a block, an assist, three rebounds, for DeLon, 104 from the floor, but got to the line three times, made all three. So uh, not terrible efficiency, even with his only five points. He was plus four in his minutes. 
I think it was a good DeLon Wright game, not an elite one, not a terrible one, just kind of right in the middle, uh, did all the little stuff that he always does, and he was a positive factor on the whole. Boogie was awesome. He was the brightest spot for the Hawks. You know, Trey's first half was certainly the best half by anyone on the Hawks roster in this game, but Boogie for the full game was very good. 25 points, three assists, four rebounds. He was seven of seven on twos. Only three rebounds on threes, but that's totally fine for his um, his output in terms of volume. And uh, with this one, by the way, he has now scored 23 points or more, and I believe it is, yeah, four, five of the last seven games. So he has really found his stride. We talked about him a lot in the last week or two, but he has been a different player in the last, you know, six weeks, five weeks since he came back from the injury, and uh, he has been a huge factor in the Hawks playing better basketball. That was the case in this one. He was actually plus six in his minutes in 37 minutes. So the Hawks were minus 15 with Boogie off the floor in 11 minutes. There you go. Um the two guys who play backup center in this game, Akongo actually played pretty well. It was five points, no rebounds though, which is a little bit strange in seven minutes, but only seven minutes, plus 10, et cetera. Gorgie, like I said before, defensively, it was a problem, but offensively, he gave him a little bit of juice with his jump shot. We'll leave that there for now. No, nothing huge to say about that. But um, if Akongo were to miss some time, being without Akongo and Collins just limits them so greatly in terms of like lineup versatility. People are asking me during this game like, why, why Gorgie was playing. And my response is like, he's, the only option they have like the small ball five that the Hawks have played this year is John Collins and he was unavailable and the Kong was out. And yes, I guess they could have gone to Jalen Johnson in theory as a backup five, but nature's never going to do that in the second half of the game with like just ice cold. And, you know, Boston is fairly big, you know, they're, they're huge in the wings with Tatum, especially when Brown's playing, but even when they were playing, you know, Grant Williams at the four or Al Horford's obviously a big four. Robert Williams is a, is a full-size center. Like, they're, this is a big team they're playing against in a lot of ways. So couldn't really afford to go super-duper small. And Gorgie gave them what he could give them. But we'll see if Okongwu can play on Thursday. But if both he and Collins are out, that is a tough alignment for Atlanta. To the starters in this one. And we'll start with the most negative of any player by a wide margin in this game. That was DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter was very bad. And I am not someone who is going to come out and be, you know, hyperbolic and pile on. But um, let's just say he was not good. That is definitely the case. Um, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, I got a text that I shared on Twitter that I'll share also here from someone I would say is in the NBA circle. I'm not going to give anything else away other than they're not affiliated with the Hawks. But I got a text during the game. It's a TNT game. Obviously, more eyes on the game. But the quote was, what the hell happened to DeAndre Hunter? And you know, if you're just watching this game or the last couple of weeks only on Hunter, you would certainly have that takeaway. He has been so bad on offense recently. He was okay from the floor in this one. Oh, five on twos had uh, at least one, I would say, no, at least three shots blocked, I think, in this game. Only one turnover, but maybe a couple of uh, generous non turnovers for him. Minus 11. Defensively, like he's at least the only guy they have that has the physical capability of stopping Tatum. But even then, he was not fantastic defensively in this game either. But, um, you know, this does not mean that I'm writing him off entirely. People are asking me if he's a bust now. Like, that, that's overreacting. But I have to say, he's not been good this year on the whole. Like, his offense had been carried by three-point shooting for most of the season in terms of, like, that's been his best attribute offensively this year. It still looks fine. But even coming into the night, he was at 47% on twos for the season. He was 0-5 in this one. That's bad. He now has, I believe, as many turnovers as assists, maybe even one more turnover than assists for the season. You factor in tonight's numbers. So, it's a bit of a mess right now. We'll have more on this in the future, but uh, he was a huge negative, and it's kind of tough to avoid that. Was he the reason why the Hawks lost this game? No, but was he good? Definitely not. And uh, the minus 11 was earned, let's just say, in this one. 
Gallinari, pluses and minuses, you know, 12 points, eight rebounds, uh, only nine shot attempts. He was efficient enough offensively, um, 35 minutes. They were not great in his minutes necessarily, but it's a bad matchup for him in a lot of ways defensively, um, especially when Boston's going a little bit smaller. But he was okay. I thought he did his job, and they needed his shot creation. In this one, he had a good stretch in the first half for sure. Uh, Capella, I thought, was pretty good on the whole. He had a couple of high-profile miss bunnies as as often on offense. Um, but off to, on, the, on the glass, he was their best player as usual. 11 rebounds in 30 minutes, um, five points, had a steal. He was good defensively, I think, in this game. Offensively, not fantastic by any means, but that's a typical Capella line at this point. Um, Herter, good first half, not as good in the second half. Obviously, he was he got pretty cold, as a lot of the Hawks did. Nine points on 13 shots is not what you want. Did have two steals and two blocks, so he was active there. Actually, fought out of the game in 31 minutes. Five rebounds, three assists. He had a pretty good floor game, just didn't have his didn't have his shot necessarily in this one. It was only three bait on three bait on twos, one five on threes, and uh, that's below where you want him to be. And then Trey Young, 31 points on 12 25 from the floor, two of seven from three, five six in the free throw line, um, ten of eighteen on twos is very very solid for him. Again, first half he was lights out. Second half not quite the same, but um, you know that's okay when you realize he had the ankle issue. He's going to keep playing through what he says. I'm sure they'll do a more more thorough evaluation. That's for sure at this stage, but we'll see how he looks on Thursday. He'll keep trying to play. I can almost assure you on that. Trey does not like to miss games. He will definitely be trying to play through things and be as good as he can be. But uh, that's obviously – the Hawks cannot afford to have him make anything less than full strength. He's been incredible this year, all-NBA level player. But um, he it showed even tonight that if he's not 100%, the Hawks are going to have that uphill battle in a lot of ways. Um, You know, lots of – Stuff being thrown around after the game, uh, you know, I think McDonough even mentioned something about, you know, DeAndre Hunter um, not being able to, you know, execute certain things, um, talking about being guarded by Grant Williams, et cetera. Bogey mentioned pretty candidly that being up by 15 points and then losing um, one of the top two guys on the other team, and, and obviously you still lose that game. That's just kind of what it is. I think that can be overstated in some respects. But Jalen Brown going out of this game and the Hawks being up at 15 points, like, that's a bad loss. I mean, it's not – you can view what you want to view in this one, but I would say coming into the night, losing by single digits to the Celtics would have been a reasonable result. At halftime, losing this game by nine points is not a reasonable result. So that's all I have on that for now. As for the standings, the Hawks lose this game. They now fall to 11-19 on the road. That's pretty ugly. They are still 18-13 and 13 at home, which is solid enough, but uh, not great there. Um, and with the loss, they're now back into a tie with the Hornets for the nine seed in the East. That is uh, not where you want to be. Although the Hornets have been struggling for a while now. But Washington won tonight. And while I have kind of written them off in some respects, the Hawks have a one-game lead on the Wizards. I don't believe in the Wizards really at all. But a one-game lead is a one-game lead. And there's nothing assured about the Hawks being in the play right now. Would I pick them? Yes. I talked about that at much more length on yesterday's podcast, which, by the way, is still available in your feeds if you missed it. But, you know, a loss, you know, loss here, Washington wins. They play the Wizards on Friday. If you lose that game, it gets a little bit dicey. So that'll be a one that has some pressure. That's for sure. And uh, speaking of which, the Hawks are at home for the Bulls on Thursday. The Bulls are a team that uh, is good, number one. That's uh, worth noting. I think they're not quite as good as their record at this point in time. But they, they just beat the Hawks um, at home in Chicago earlier, I guess it was last week now. The rematch here, the Bulls have lost two in a row since then. That's a very winnable game for the Hawks if they are at full strength. 
We'll see on Collins. We'll see on Trey. We'll see on a Kongwu between now and then. But that's three guys up in the air, at least to some degree, for Thursday, not even including Lou Williams, who's been a backup point guard this year. So a lot of uncertainty for that one. But at home, I would tell you that the Hawks are supposed to be, I would say, small favorites against the Bulls in my mind, maybe a coin flip, something like that. But if you're without Trey, if you're without Collins, et cetera, it gets more difficult. And then from there, they turn around and have to fly to D.C. and play a back-to-back. And like I just said, the Hawks are better than the Wizards. I'm firmly in that camp. But it's a quick, quick turnaround with travel. And it's not like the shortest flight in the world. And also, Washington is now off for two days. So you'll have a two-day rest disadvantage plus travel. That's a brutal one. So we'll see. That's kind of a schedule loss screaming at you if you don't come up, if you don't come up with your best effort in that game. So we've covered a lot of bases on this podcast, but uh, yeah, not a great night at the office for the Hawks. Um, you know, the injury stuff is important. Uh, you know, I think the number, the single, the single biggest thing on the agenda between now and Thursday is just making sure Trey Young's ankle is okay, because if he's hampered at all, your season's in serious peril. But provided he's 100% knock on wood, um, we'll see what this is with Collins. But this is a game the Hawks could have won, and they probably should have won. And, you know, I went down this. I went down the rabbit hole on the podcast yesterday about the loss that the Hawks have had, and in their last 19 games, the Hawks are 12 and seven, and six of those seven losses are quote unquote good losses on paper. They're all the good teams, most of them on the road, etc. But because you dug the hole that you dug, if you were the Hawks, you cannot afford to lose all of these games, and they, and they keep losing games that you probably should or at least could have won, and that is devastating at this point in the season. So. With all that said, we'll have full coverage of our next, uh, I guess the next telecast on this show will be after the game on Thursday, barring some huge emergency news on Wednesday. I could break in with the emergency podcast, but in terms of playing episodes, next show will be after the game on Thursday, followed by another show after the, after the game on Friday, throughout the week in busy fashion. Please subscribe to this podcast on your player of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, etc. And, not or, but and, I'm begging you at this point in time, Help me get to the goal that I have of a thousand subscriptions on YouTube between now and the end of the regular season. You have about five weeks to help me get there, and I appreciate all the support on this feed. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roll and follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. We'll see you after the game on Thursday.